I'm Dinah Pat, and you're listening to Brothers On Air. Welcome to the fifth episode of Brothers On Air, a podcast dedicated to bringing you classic radio shows as performed by the youth of the 21st century. This podcast is a project of CBHS Theatre, run by John Smiley. It stars our own Brothers On Stage talent and is directed, produced, and edited by students. All material is used for educational purposes and is not for profit. This week's show takes us back to 1962. 2462 was written by George Bamber and first aired on January 21st, 1962 as part of the suspense program. This episode stars Dinah Pat as prisoner 10830-3715, Brian as the lieutenant, Kai Hawkins as the old guard, Michael Marking as the guard, and Miriam Macario Rivera as the clerk. Today's show takes us far into the future, to the distant year of 2462. We'll find ourselves in a world that has become grossly overpopulated and that has taken to exterminating the members of society deemed least helpful, most notably the artists and philosophers of the world. However, tonight we will see that art always finds a way, a good lesson for all of us in the midst of coronavirus. When 2462 was written, the United States was deep into the Cold War, and Americans had a view of the oppressive regime known as the Soviet Union. Many Americans feared the USSR, and were haunted by the idea of a totalitarian state that controlled art, leading to books and radio plays like this one that featured a dystopian future. Is this what the future will look like? None of us will ever know. All we can do is imagine. I woke up on the floor shivering. All my clothes were gone. It was like a nightmare. A nightmare I had dreamed many times before and dreaded coming true. At first, I thought I had woken up in my own room, that someone had taken all my furniture and clothes. But then I realized it wasn't so much a room as it was a cube. An empty, sterile cube with luminescent walls that hummed with a soft blue-green light. I jumped up then, and threw myself against the walls trying to find a way out. And there was none. No door, no window, not even a ventilation tube. I banged on the walls and screamed, but no one answered me. Nothing. The smooth, plastic, blue-green walls that hummed with the electric current in them. That gave them light and air, and then... I slumped back down to the soft foam plastic floor of my cell, afraid to admit to myself where I was and squeezed my eyes tight against the walls because I was afraid I was going to cry. Just then, the wall in front of me slid back on its tracks, and in the pale light of the corridor, I could see a large shambling man in prison coveralls with a nine-digit number tattooed on his forehead. What do you want? Follow me. He turned his back on me and stepped on the moving conveyor in the corridor. I stumbled after him because I was afraid to be alone. I had to know what was happening. Where are you taking me? No talk. Follow me. I could tell by the steady movement of his jaw and the dull, faraway look on his face that I could question him all day and it wouldn't do any good. 
He was chewing tranquil gum, and the effects of that stuff last for a week. I could scream at him and it wouldn't bother him. Nothing would bother him unless I tried to escape. I knew where I was now. There could be no doubt of that. I rode behind my silent guide up and down what seemed like endless corridors, past row on row of cells just like the one I had left. Some of them had their reverse scanners on that meant you could see in, but the prisoners couldn't see out. Some of them were sitting in the middle of their cube staring at nothingness, but most of them were slumped on the floor asleep. Kept that way by somnigas, a gentle gas that kept the inmates unconscious and manageable until their cases came up. I knew one day I would wind up here, and here I was in the most scientific escape-proof extermination center in the world. In here. The guard stepped off the conveyor in front of a heavy chrome door marked courtroom and pushed a button. I moved through the doorway like a schoolgirl, called upon to recite. The room was not much bigger than the cell I had left, and it was empty. A lieutenant sat behind a desk. Her plastic bars gleamed at me brightly from her shoulders. I heard my guard close the door behind us. Then I noticed one wall was completely covered with the sleepy face of a computer. Sit down, sit down. I did as I was told and sat on the only other piece of furniture in the place, a small three-legged stool in the middle of the room. There was a young girl, a secretary sitting at an electro-writer, taking down everything that was said, feeding it into the computer. Identity? June Clark. I said your identity. I told you, ma'am. Do not hold up the proceedings. Time is precious. You were issued a combination serial social and a telephone number that was imprinted on your forehead at birth. From here, it appears to be 10830 Is that correct? That is the number tattooed on my head. Clerk, let the record show the subject is being hostile. Yes, ma'am. Let us proceed. Case of the People versus 10830 Convened in the first court at 1800 hours in this day of our world, the 18th of November, 2462. 10830715. You are charged with two counts. One, writing non-productive literature, and two, wasting government time. How do you plead? True or false? I don't understand. Have you or have you not written poetry? I'm a clerk in the space department. True or false? False! I have here some hundred pieces of Debro. I shall read a portion of one, see if you recognize it. In my treeless, greenless office, amid the bustling mad despair, I hunger after exile from the chrome and filtered air. Well? It's not a very good poem, is it? Did you or did you not write this poem, true or false? I hardly see! Answer, true or false? False! Account, then, for the fact that this poem was written on your electro-writer. There are millions of electro-writers. As you may or may not know, each electro-writer has its own characteristics as individual as fingerprints. An expert has identified this poem as coming from your machine. I can call him to testify, if you like. There are two shifts. I'm not the only one assigned to that machine. You are not only a poet, you are a very stupid one. Every electro-writer imprints the date and hour of transmission. In every case, the poems were written on your machine while you were sitting at it, supposed to be doing the invaluable work of the space department. 
What have you to say? What can I say? You are charged with two very grave accounts in this court, writing non-productive literature and wasting government time. How do you answer? How else can I answer? Guilty. 10830 you insist upon imposing on this court concepts legality as ancient as 1962. In this court, subjects are neither guilty nor non-guilty. They are simply productive or non-productive, social or antisocial. I repeat, are these charges against you true or false? Answer one or the other. False. Very well. Clerk? Yes, ma'am. Signal the judicial computer that all facts and consideration of this court are now at hand and submit the subject's work record, fitness report, sanity estimation, IQ, cooperation... I watched like a sleepwalker as the lieutenant handled the thin, punched, and tabulated cards that were the history of my life. I watched with a gambler's fascination as one by one she fitted them into the monster's mouth, and the lights blinked and flickered across its face, digesting my life and worth on this earth, and estimating in hours and seconds how much longer I'd be permitted to stay. Suddenly I realized the computer had stopped. The lights across its face were dark. The machine's mouth spat out a thin red plastic card, and the girl handed it to the lieutenant. Number 10830 It is the decision of this court that you are no longer essential or desirable to life on this earth. What? On the 343rd day of the year, 2462, you will be taken from your cell into the Division of Agriculture for processing. No. Your body will be reduced to its basic components. No, no. And your existence on Earth will be terminated. No, 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 no. In God's name, give me another chance. It is the decision of this court. You can't condemn a person to die for writing a few lines of poetry. Not for writing a few lines of poetry. For being a poet. If you were a scientist or engineer, we could afford to overlook these excessive characteristics in your personality. Forgive the writing of a few lines of, of Dabru, but you are not a scientist or engineer or even a mathematician. You are a clerk in the space department, and according to your work, not very good at that. I have no head for figures. At a time when the world is crying out for a need for mechanical and technical brains, the best you are suited for is rhyming words on scraps of paper. Can you possibly imagine the loss of I stood looking at the young woman who was the lieutenant. Saw her eyes on me. Her lips moved, but no sound came out. Everything she said was true. The world was in trouble. 300, 400 years ago, they thought they were having a population explosion. They should see it now. People live as far beneath the ground as above. New York was built out 30 miles over the water, and people commuted to work from as far away as Ohio and Michigan. Even the deserts were populated. It took mathematical and technical brains just to keep it all going, not to mention the problem of finding new worlds in space. 10830 it must be apparent that even if you had some mechanical ability for the service and repair of computers and machines... I could try to learn. But you have no mechanical ability. Your aptitude tests show that. Just give me a chance to learn. There is no time. The world needs these talents now. Not a year from now, a month but from now. All I want is to live. We all want to live. That is the whole problem. The function of this court is to weed out the people who are not necessary to the continuation of life from those who are. 
Artists, philosophers, theologians, and poets are not necessary. You have been found to be a poet. I appeal to the mercy of the court! There is no mercy in a mathematical equation. Oh, give me another chance, just one! Number 10830 you are wasting the court's time. I have many more cases to deal with today. As you stand now, you are a drain on this earth's natural resources, and exactly 20 days from now, you will contribute to them. Case dismissed. Look, I have... I have one favor to ask. Everyone is granted one last request. What is it? I have the right, do I not, to spend my remaining days conscious? Yes, but you should request Somnigas. Time goes by much more fast, and then the end is so... not painful. I want to spend my last days conscious. Conscious? Why? So I can write. Write? Yes, write. I wouldn't have to have an electrowriter in my cell. Just a pen would do. I know how to use a pen and... And some paper. I know you have no power over the decision of the court, but just this one last request as one woman to another. Very well. Orders will be left that a paper and pen will be left at your disposal. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. No more can be granted than the law allows. You may spend your last remaining days on earth conscious and writing gibberish poems or whatever you wish. Next case. I had to bite my tongue to keep from shouting and turning handsprings all the way back to my cell. I had won the right to remain conscious my last days on earth. The right to have one more chance at life and freedom. I realized fully how small that chance was. In the days when men still believed crime was cured by punishment, my cell would have been a jailer's dream. The smooth plastic walls were flawless. I searched the whole cube and no more than the first time I saw them. Not even the little pinholes, which admitted the gas that finished you. I had hoped to dig under the soft foam rubber plastic on the floor with the point of my pen, but I dug at it, and couldn't even scratch it. For what must have been five days, I studied the prison routine in hopes of jamming the door and overpowering one of the guards, but it was impossible. Once a day, the wall was rolled back and food was tossed in, wrapped in electroethylene, and then rolled back again before you could get to it. It was impossible to wait near the door because the guards could see you waiting there and would not open it until you were well back in the center of the cell. On what must have been the tenth day, I started to have hallucinations. People began to appear in my cell and chat with me. People who had long since been dead. To stave off madness, I picked up the broken stub of my pen and began to write feverishly. I wrote a poem to a boy I had seen once when I was fourteen, and then I wrote about the last blade of grass I had seen. I wrote faster and faster until I was completely caught up in the joy of writing, writing about all the things I could remember until I lost track of time, of place. Oh no, it isn't time. I still have twenty days left. Twenty days, she said. Shh. Quiet, girl. You still have two days to go. What do you want? To talk. Mind if I come in? It's your prison. She didn't come all the way in, but stood in the door, out of sight, out of the hall but blocking my way. She was a very old woman with mottled parchment skin, and her prison coveralls hung like elephant skin. Who are you? I'm the night duty guard. 
What do you want? Oh, just to talk. I've never... I've never seen you before. Oh, but I've seen you. Every night I see you looking over my shoulder, reading the things you write. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I did. I haven't read any new poetry in 50 years since the computers came in. You got away with words. Thank you. That's all right. There's one poem you wrote, night before last. Which one? The one about a man who's going to die and doesn't know why. Oh, you mean this one? Yes, yes, that's the one. Would you mind reading it for me? My eyes tire easily. All right. In the monumental silence of a long and pointless strife, I am pained at my reluctance to let go this last of life. I only ask the place and time enough to give some small meaning to the meaningless and point to having lived. Yes, I like that. How would you like to get out of here? Are you crazy? No. No one gets out of here alive. Guards do. But I'm not a guard. You could be. Now I know you're crazy. You could be if you put on my clothes, my uniform. That wouldn't do any good. They'd still recognize me by the number on my forehead. That's what gave me the idea. Look at your number and look at mine. One zero eight eight zero eight seven one five. Only the eights are different. Yes. We could take that pen of yours and make the threes look like eights. But you're an old woman. I'm young. They would recognize the difference immediately. No, no. No, they wouldn't. The only one who sees me is the guard that relieves me, and he's on happy gum. The only thing he looks at is my number. As long as that's right, he's happy. He couldn't tell you what I looked like if his life depended on it. But why? I don't know why. Maybe I just like poetry. Maybe because I'm going to die anyways. Look at me. I'm 110. Yesterday I read where they're going to start eliminating everybody over 102. It'll probably be law before the year is out. But that's still a year to live, maybe more. A year of what? I can't smell anymore. My taste buds are gone. My hands and feet are always cold. But that's not the real reason, is it? No. No, it isn't. Then what is? I have a granddaughter about your age. Beautiful girl. She used to write and paint some when she was young. Of course, we had to discourage it after the computers came in. Well, it would just make me feel good to know they haven't stamped out the genes for poetry completely. I hate to live in a world where you don't get anything more than what comes blasting in at you over the telecommunicator. Well, what do you say? Are you willing? I'm willing if you are. Ah, good. Now listen carefully. She sat up most of the night explaining her job to me, cross-questioning me to be sure I remembered it right. The job was simple, mostly just pushing buttons. The difficult part would be finding my way out of the huge prison without looking like I was lost, and getting off the overhead rail at the right stop to find her daughter's home. Finally, when she was convinced I had it right, she left promising to change places with me the following night. I was almost afraid to believe her. The hours of what was to be my final night on earth crept by. The day had been bad enough, but the night was worse. 
A hundred times I decided the night was over, that it had all been just a sadistic trick by the old woman so she could watch the agony of my final hours on earth to pass the time. I was just about to beat against the walls and scream when... Quick, quickly help me out of these coveralls. I thought you wouldn't come. I had to wait until the end of the watch so you'd have the best chance of escaping. How much time do I have left? About twenty minutes. The day guard will be coming to relieve me soon, so hurry, will you? Where's your pen? Here it is. Now hold your head still while I change these threes to eights. All right. All right. Now remember, stay on the overhead rail until you get out of Arizona. My daughter is the next stop after that. Okay. Ah, there you're finished. Now, goodbye. I don't... I don't know what to say. Don't say anything. Say goodbye before I change my mind. At best, courage is a quick, silver thing. Goodbye. And thank you. Quick, close the door. I did as I was told, raising my hand to break the circuit, and I watched as the old woman smiled at me and took up her position in front of it. The clock on the board said ten minutes to five in the morning. Ten minutes before I would be released. How's it going? Huh? I said, how's it going? Everything quiet? Oh, 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 <laughs> oh, fine, yeah, um, fine, 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 fine. I recognized him as the guard who was to relieve the old woman. For a minute, I was afraid he'd recognize me as his eyes drifted across my face. But then they flicked up to my forehead to check my serial number, and he resumed his steady, quiet chewing. I came in a little early. You can never tell about the overhead rail. When it's going to get jammed up. Yes, yes, I know, yeah. Things, things are a mess. What, what's that? Trouble in cell number 84. See the flashing light on the board? Yes, I'd better turn it off. Cell 84, that was my cell. The one I just left. That meant the old woman was probably banging on the walls. I see cell 84 is scheduled for termination this morning. She probably lost her nerve. They should make them all stay under Somnigas while they're here. Makes them easier to handle that way. I can't turn the alarm off! Of course you can, as long as she's banging on the walls and screaming that way. You'd better go down and see what she wants. Do I have to? Of course you do. It's the law. She might have something more she wants to say. I walked down the hall, feeling the guard's eyes on my back. I didn't dare argue with him anymore for fear he would become concerned. It was all over now. I knew it was all over. I could see the old woman beating on the walls of her cell beyond the transparent plastic walls, screaming soundlessly. She had changed her mind. She wanted to live. In a minute, she would be running down the hall, shouting for help, and in two hours, I would be dead. I raised my hand to break the electric circuit. Ah, there you are. I was afraid you wouldn't come back. You took the poems with you, and I couldn't remember that one. All I remember is, I only ask the place. I can't remember how it ends. I only ask the place and time enough to give some small meaning to the meaningless and point to having lived. Yes, yes, that's it. And point to having lived. Thank you for listening to today's installment of Brothers on Air. 
2462 by George Bamber. It was directed and edited by Dinah Pat and starred Kai Hawkins, Brian, Dinah Pat, Michael Marking, and Miriam Macario Rivera. All sound effects can be attributed to the Final Cut Pro Sound Effects Library. Brothers on Air will be taking a break next week, but we hope to see you in two weeks for another exciting installment of our podcast.